New Black Nation, your political digest with a Black conservative twist. All right, so I'd like to welcome everyone to this wonderful podcast, uh, the preset of New Black Nation, which is a political commentary podcast by two Black conservatives that are nonpartisan and care about getting real information out to the American people. Um, I'm Brandon Wong. And I'm Gregory Victorin. And we are pleased to provide our first topic of the day that we want to be talking about. Um, Greg and I are very passionate about a lot of issues, but we decided to pick something that was a little closer to home and talk a little bit more about the effects of the wonderful coronavirus that we've all been dealing with. And particularly the fact that the government is not doing anything to help people who are in special circumstance situations. And just to kind of give an intro to that, Greg, um, about how poorly our government is thinking about other American people that are waiting out there, waiting to get, either get back to work or get a check. Um, I have a very good friend and coworker that works with me who I uh, won't mention their name um, as it's on the wonderful podcast and I'll keep their um, anonymity. Um, but she has gone through a pro process just like me um, and has had to wait over two months to hear something back. Actually, it's a, it's probably a little more than two months at this point, right? So everyone, um, both of us in this situation apply for unemployment in like March 29th, right? So we just got a correspondence letter from unemployment like June 4th, right? June 5th. Um, and the correspondence that we got from the unemployment office was, um, well, you are not applicable for unemployment <laughs> and you get zero dollars of, yeah, of unemployment, uh, be, you know, and it just, it, it doesn't say, you know, it just says <laughs> wait for further correspondence. How is that possible? Um, that is very possible because basically they can say, you know, so in our particular, um, circumstance, um, we have, we started working for Swiss post and, um, October of 2019. Yeah. So we started in October 19, uh, 2019 and, even though we've worked for five months, which would standardly, which standardly should allow you or get you and they claim unemployment, uh, we did not work five months in a calendar year or five months in a particular quarter or enough to solidify a quarter, because I assume they're going by quarters. Um, and because we we didn't do that, because going from January to March, when we when we lost uh, we lost our job, that wasn't within the criteria. Um, so the only unemployment that they had recorded or employment they had recorded for us was, um, previous employment from a, a long time ago, which didn't qualify. So now we're sitting here two months and a few days later, um, and just literally sitting and saying, okay, I guess we won't be getting any money. So thankfully in my case, I was able to find another assignment, you know, and now I'm working in New York. <laughs> 
Uh, but Tanaya or oh, I have to edit that. Okay, well, I, they don't know who Tanaya is. <laughs> we know who Tanaya is. But yeah, so Tanaya has, you know, she's working. Um, so she's basically, um, you know, sitting there and just not getting anything. You know, and she's like, um, you know, and she she had the one stimulus check that came out by the government, but she's getting no unemployment, and the government is still consistently saying that we're not getting you back to work. And and all of that, and all the hypocrisy that the Democrat establishment been talking about, they did help. They helped the one percenters. But bailouts for John F. Kennedy Music Center and you know airline bailout bailouts and all exactly. of those great things. You know, we had you know big corporations uh, abusing uh, the small business protection loans that we're giving out there, but, but, <laughs> and yet we can't take care of regular Americans. It, it, it goes back to you know why I'm so pissed. You know, um, with the you know. With, with everything that's going on, because time after time we hear them say, "Oh, we have to um, work for the middle class. We have to put the middle class first. Uh, we have to speak on their behalf." Now you tell me that something this big happened. It's a pandemic. Everybody was hurt from it, and time after time, all we do we bail out the rich, the people that does not need it. That's the people that gets the money. And it, it's, right. it's, it's mind blowing. So this this woman been sitting at her house for two months. We see one check, which we may have to pay back to the government. Who knows? Well, yeah, unless they just totally decide to take it off the books. I mean, because nothing is really free, right? When everyone says, like, you know, when uh, liberals have a tendency to say, every, you know, we get free healthcare and free education, it's never really free. Someone is paying for it down the line, whether it's increased interest, you know, in what you buy and uh, less of a 401k plan or a retirement plan when you get to that ripe age of retirement. Somebody's going to pick up the bill. And it's and it's crazy. Right. Exactly. And, you know, one thing I want to throw out there as well is that we have this whole movement, right? We have people saying, you know, stay home, stay safe, you know, and they're doing all these things, basically saying, if you're not a part of the collective, right, then you're trying to kill lives. You know, you don't care about lives. You don't care about people. And to that, I say, well, you don't care about the people who are actually sitting there wondering how they're going to put food on their table, wondering how they're going to pay their rent, wondering how, you know, they are going to be able to come out of this COVID crisis. It's nice for people who are working from home or having their barbecues, sipping their martinis and their gin and tonics in the barbecues, not socially distanced or out there protesting or doing these things while they're making a paycheck working from home or working reduced hours or having a great severance pay, but it does nothing for the people who are normally first line responders, which I consider the everyday American worker. And, you know, they're just sitting there wondering when they're going to get food or when they're going to get paid for, you know, and now we're talking about, we'll, we'll start to go to 25% or 50% capacity, you know, percent capacity is not going to get these people back to work. And, 
you know, I'm all for it. I'm like, you know, if we have a collective situation and we're like, you know what, we got to sit down there. I would much prefer uh, prefer us to get back to work in general and, and get back to normal. Um, but if we're not going to do that and you're going to force us to sit back and, and, and deal with this craziness that is the COVID-19 shutdown, then you better at least have something in place for every single American that's going to be down yeah. and out. Because there are people who had a job and they're like, you know, and there are people who are working and they had goals for themselves and they were trying to do something for themselves and they will not have that chance to do so. And while everybody is just sitting there thinking that they have a wonderful life because they either got approved for unemployment and they're making more money than they used to, or they're sitting back and just saying, oh, you know, oh, it's great. I can work from home. I don't have to go in the office anymore. I don't have to do transportation anymore. You know, it's great when all those people are, are sitting there and doing that. It must be nice. But nobody's thinking about those little everyday Americans that don't get those. Well, you know, uh, Governor Cuomo, think about us, you know, because he's stating that, you know, during this pandemic, most people that die from it is African-American that's doing the hard work that have been doing the hard work, but they could acknowledge that, but yet it's hard for them to say, you know what? Let's go and support these communities. Let's, let's go and help them. Let's go and give them the money that they need. I mean, you know, we've been watching these things on TV. You know, you hear all these places getting big checks, you know, big bailout, time, you know, uh, uh, where people are suffering, uh, um, um, large family are suffering, you know, they can't feed their kids. So what? You want them to stay home and do what? Exactly. What is that? Exactly. They want them to stay home and die. That's essentially what they're saying. Like, because if you're basically saying that we're going to force you not to work in your job, we're going to force you to give up everything that you have and everything that you do to protect yourself and take care of you, not only yourself, but your children. And we're going to let you sit back there and die because we're not going to push the government to, you know, give you the, the help that you need. We're not going to push the government to say, let's pass a bill that that looks at every single American and not just the small few that have a, a perfect record to get unemployment or work from home. They're just saying, you're going to just die. You're going to have to deal with it. We're saving lives. And, you know, I, I honestly, I'm sorry, but not sorry. You know, and that's what they're but which saying. Which life is saving, exactly. Because think about it. One check came from the government, right? That was about, what, close to a month ago, if I'm not mistaken? So all that yeah. is gone probably within the second week because now you have to feed yourself. And if you have kids in the house, you have to feed those kids. So after this check is all blown, it's gone, then what? Exactly. There is no. And what about the people who haven't even gotten exactly. a check? My parents still haven't even gotten a check from the government, you know, with this $1,200 stimulus. Thank goodness they're both gainfully employed and working. But what if they were not? Exactly. They still haven't received a check. So you, you're basically killing not only adults, but children in the process. Because if they go hungry, it's a. Uh, 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 it could affect them on a whole different level. 
Because when they're in school, the school feed them. So now they're home, not only they eat more, you have to spend more time with them because now there's nothing for them to do. So now you're spending left and right buying groceries and then you was denying unemployment if, if it's not a family member or a good friend that stepped forward to give you a hand up, what happened? Nobody want to talk about this. Everybody want to pretend like, okay, you know, we're being safe. Yeah, if we, we're being safe and all. I'm all for that. But people are starving. No money is coming in for them. Yeah, absolutely nothing. And, and, you know, people are going to sit back and say, because I've had some of these discussions with a couple of people, you know, as I'm uh, walking around or so, or, you know, interacting with people online, because, you know, I'm very active on Twitter and you see some people, you know, going around and saying, well, you know, those people have the opportunity to go to a church, you know, can't they go to a church and get some money or get some food or, you know, get everything there. So, so apparently those, you, you and I always reply to that and say, you mean the same churches that are now required to close and not be open and not worship? Yeah. Are you saying those same churches that are going to sit there and be able to help them? Because uh, I, I really don't see how all of those people are going to help all of those people who need yes. help, because right now they're going through their own issues and struggles as well, and they're fighting their own version of tyranny and not being able to worship. So what exactly are these people going to do and what is our government doing for those people? Because they're sure enough fighting to keep us all out of work, but none of those are none of them are talking about how they're going to protect us because of that and make sure we're here and i'm sorry but the only people that i've heard saying that so far are the people that they're calling crazy trump supporters because they're the only ones that want to get back to work that's that's the um hypocrisy because at least they understand that money is not coming in and people need to feed themselves it amazed me because i would think that it would be the democrats that would be like hey you know we need to get people back to work we need to do this, 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 and that. They're using it for political gain. So yeah, and I was expecting the Democrats yeah, to do that I, because I mean the Democrats are the working party, right? That's they're for workers' rights. They've always been known yeah. for that. You know, and if anything, they're known for like spending the money, you know, and in, 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 in all kinds of crazy ways. The Republicans do it too. But definitely on the Democratic side, they're more, you know, they're a lot less yes. frugal generally right in terms of spending the government's money and spending taxpayer yeah. money so why all of a sudden during this situation do we have people not actually saying but enough? but but that's when you see the true colors um the government is doing exactly what the government is supposed to be doing nothing so now we have we there, there's a lesson we could take from this we could a pretend like the government is on our side they really want to help us or B now we've been working that it's all been a, a big fat lies because now something this big happened where we really need them to step forward for us where, where this is the time for them to put their words into action. All these years they've been talking, but they have never put it into action. So now, you know, if not now, when? When, 
when when are right. when are they going to you know step up and be like you know what we're gonna defend the um the, the um the poor people we're gonna defend the low class uh, um people we're gonna defend the low income people right because all of those people are struggling right now and they're relying on that. You know, there's a certain amount of people, you know, and I guess they, they, they it almost seems as if the government will basically tie it down to, you know, there's an acceptable amount of people who we just don't give a fuck about. You know, there there is a certain percentage of people where it really doesn't matter. You know, if we were able to cover at least a good majority of the voting base in the inner city communities, then it's okay if like 20% of their, their communities or whatever the number may be, you know, just dies in the dust, right? And and they have no solution for how to move forward. It's okay if we put them in the, you know, extreme poverty and get them kicked out of their homes because we're not doing something and we're saying shut down your business and shut down your job that you may have just gotten. And now we're not going to support anything with actual fiscal not policy even, to help you. shut down. Think about it. Small businesses have been impacted very hard by this thing. Taxi drivers has been impacted by this thing. So, you know, they, they're allowing small businesses to close down and be shut down. Because how do you come back from this? There is no way. And, you know, there was actually a couple of, uh, a couple of senators that actually decided to put out, you know, a bill and really just, you know, really start drafting the uh, payroll protection program, you know, PPP, right? So, and this PPP program is actually going to um, give, it would give 80% um, payroll to cover for all of these businesses that need to keep people employed, to give them an incentive to stay open and do what they have to do and be able to actually fit the bill and, and, and get people to work, you know, considering that we have like this limited 50% capacity. But when this was introduced to Nancy Pelosi, not even introduced because just her hearing from it, right? She said she wasn't going to even see this case. And you have to ask yourself, if there's a case that's saying we're going to at least get the money out to 80% uh, to cover 80% of payroll for well, people who? to give people their wages, why would you not follow yeah, through really? or at least see it or debate it's worth it? To, hmm? to have at least a debate about or a discussion, but she shut it down. So who is yeah, she said she wouldn't even see it in the house. Like, if it was to come to the house, she wouldn't even put Listen, it on the floor. Me, you know, I, you know, I have to judge people by the records, right? Um, anyone that have any kind of debate with me, I don't just, you know, go after someone just for the sake of going after someone. I may not like someone, but you know, let let's use this. Um, let me use this example: Donald Trump. They're all going at Donald Trump, right? But mm -hmm. this thing that happened, Donald Trump then caused it. Did he respond late, this and that? Maybe. Yes. Who knows? But if you've been criticizing Donald Trump from day one about being racist or not caring for the poor, this and that, wouldn't this be the perfect chance and opportunity to challenge Donald Trump to be like, hey, you know what? Forget all these big businesses. We had already bailed them out 
2008 when the economy crashed by them. So now let's focus on the small businesses and the people that need the money the most. I was really hoping that the Democrat was going to stand up and fight. And I mean, you know, I just, I'm still holding my breath because everything is almost over. People are starting to go back to work. So people like, you know, you and others, how do you recruit from that? Yeah, I mean, how do you recruit not having, you know, two or three months or even more, depending on when people get back to work? for salary. I mean, it's just no possible way that you're going to do that. Like if you're in this particular case, like, you know, um, you know, the tonight who I was talking about, she basically is doing an appeal, right? So that way she can actually um, try to resend their decision and um, basically get them to correct it and, and disperse unemployment and particularly give out back pay because, you know, she's gone to plus months without having a salary coming in. So if you're sitting there and you're in that predicament, you know, in my case, again, I'm saying it's much better because I, I had like maybe three weeks, but even three weeks, you know, missing three weeks of pay, how do you come back from missing three weeks of pay? You know, your bills are still coming. The same, they, the same things happen. You just immediately overnight lost three weeks of pay, you know, and there's no way that you're going to be able to come back from that. And, and unless you're going to, you know, especially when the job market is, is tough, right? Because just imagine it, right? Even though we have people starting to come back to work in a slower pace and, you know, a mitigated pace, you know, that's still not no, everyone. And a lot of people don't even have the chance to even come back to work because they have no job to come back to because their job closed over the past two months. Exactly. So, wow. Um, wow. This is very hurtful, um, you know, for, for a lot of people. I mean, me, my hours was cut, um, you know, so I was a little bit fortunate. Uh, my hours was cut. But, you know, I, I, you know I, I'm thinking about, um, um, you know, other people and, you know, because, and um, I don't want to mention the, uh, com um, that company name, but a few of them called me stating the same thing, that they was denied unemployment. And they call the supervisors, you know, to find out what's going on. Until now, the supervisors still haven't called them back yet. So it's just people are losing their finances, people are losing their job, and the government is just sitting around letting it happen. And I have a feeling to why they're just sitting, sitting around to let it happen. It's, it's, you know, it's for a political game, basically. Well, I think it's actually, you know, really good for, um, you know, ratifying the agenda, you know, of big corporatization, right? So it's great if you don't have small businesses, right? Because then everything can be exercised under the umbrella or the guise of every big corporation. Yeah. 
you know, you no longer have any competition. You are the main source, you know, for the people. And, you know, everyone has to work for you and you take the major benefits and major profit gains from any particular industry. So this is playing perfectly into their hands. I mean, even thinking about the real estate market, right? So Wall Street was saying that this is going to be one of the best years for, you know, this pandemic is going to bring about one of the best years for, um, you know, financial gain. Because what's going to happen is, is that so many people are going to be backed up, right? Because they haven't been paying uh, enough of their mortgage or they haven't been able to afford paying their mortgage because of what's going on with this crisis. They're laid off. They're doing whatever. They're reduced hours, et cetera. You know, when it comes time to pay these dues and pay this rent, it will come time to pay that rent or that mortgage. Those people will find themselves defaulting. And when you have all those people defaulting, the big investment banks are going to swoop in and say, well, yeah, we'll buy them all up and we'll do this foreclosure. But here's the thing. They have a new plan. They, they, you know, they saw from the 2008 crash, you know, in the housing bu bubble uh, crash right, or popping of the bubble. They saw that, oh, well, maybe we did the wrong thing at this time because we would just foreclose on these homes and then we would sell them back to people so they can then buy them and have mortgages. But the smarter thing to do now is to actually sit back and say, you know what? Let's just sit here and rent those properties out. Let's buy them. We'll fix them up a little bit or not, depending on the condition of the house. And we'll rent them out because renting, it, it's so much easier for you to get evicted from an apartment than it is for you to get uh, get someone out of a home. Right. So now they have this major benefit that they're looking towards and they're going to capitalize on this like no other company has done so before. You know, and it's just going to be such a horrific situation. People are getting tear from their homes and all of their livelihood is gone. People who have sat there and boiled blood, sweat and tears into businesses for the majority of their lives. And they're now having to say that I'm closing my doors or I have to figure something else out. And that will be because the government decided not to sit there and do anything after they forced people to stop working. And I'm embarrassed for the democratic party because like you said it is their absolute job you would think that that will be their absolute mission to take care of a situation like this even the republicans compromised on the first initial stimulus to get the first stimulus check out they didn't want jfk kennedy music center they didn't want all of a lot of the bs stuff that they got you know, from other things, but they had to compromise on it in order to get it out because they knew that it would look really bad if they couldn't pull something together for the American people, especially after they were shut down and went against all of their values, but they decided to do it anyway. So that makes me even more pissed when I see Nancy Pelosi going on and saying, we will not even see PPP in the house. <laughs> so, you know, um, it's funny that you, you mentioned um, the big banks because on um, 2008, who bailed them out? Wasn't it, wasn't it us that bailed them out? <laughs> yeah, that's we very bailed true. them out, right? <laughs> so why is it that now they can't bail us out? We can do trillions of dollars in corporate welfare, but we can't do 
a, anything near a rat's ass for American exactly. people who need to get back to work and have for small businesses who are the lifeblood of the middle class economy and the economy in general. Of it. It's disgraceful. So where's the car industry? You know, like, yo, our tax bill, mm-hmm. our tax dollars is being used for nonsense. They're using us, like, you know, we pay all this tax, and for something like this to happen, and they just left, you know, let us hang in. You know my new slogan now? I don't have the money to replace my wardrobe, but now I'm thinking about, you know, Dr. King and Cornell West to just wear all black and white because now they're gonna kill me at any given day because I'm not gonna shut down. I'm not gonna keep my mouth shut anymore. This is bad. Not only we lost so many people, and when I say people, I'm talking mostly African-American, most of them die from poor condition already, poor health condition. Now with this, you just added more to their pain. You're not helping them. So what is the government for? Why do we need a government this size if they're not working for the people? If they're not helping the minority people, why do we need a government this big? You're here, amen. And I would say to that, uh, why you know why do we need human resources if they're not going to actually provide human resources to the human people working in the companies that they are charged with uh, taking care of? You know, it, it, government is very similar to this to to, the, to this mentality, right? Because you have um, you have the human resources department, which is supposed to be there for the employee, right? Theoretically, they're supposed to be there to support them and provide resources for that employee so they can get ahead and they can be successful at that company and they can feel comfortable and safe and happy at their at their environments and their companies. But so many human resource managers, and there are some good ones out there, but so many of them uh, that are out there do exactly the opposite of that. They do everything to protect the big corporation that they are paid from, and they're not doing the job that they really should be doing, which is protecting the people and their constituencies that they work with. And it's the same thing when we're applying Think about it. it. That's how they will change. Think about it. Human resources will work if that check was coming somewhere else. As long as companies paying them, their loyalties to that company. I learned the hard way this year, this past year. Uh, um, I cannot discuss that situation yet, but I learned the hard way. You know, human resources doesn't work for people like you and me. If you have a boss, yep, they work for the corporate businesses that that's, pay that's their salaries. That, that's who they represent. And it's the same thing with the government official. You look at Amazon right now, right? Right now, Amazon make more money than ever. You look at Amazon, right? Everybody, mostly everyone that was working for um, uh, President um, Barack Obama, all of them now, most of them now are working for Amazon. Now, most people would not see there's a problem with that. There's a big problem with that. 
There's no regulation in Amazon because all of them knew that sooner or later they was going to work for Amazon. The workers on Amazon, they're fighting to be unionized. And Amazon's saying, no, we're not doing that. Think how much power is this, right? I don't know if, it, uh, um, if you saw this online, where all um, the governors or the mayors, they were um, pitching to Amazon so Amazon could come open a, a warehouse in their, in, in their um, borough. That's power. Plain and simple. <laughs> and we talk about China. It's happening right here. <laughs> we are in China right now. And people don't want to open their eyes to see this. We hear criticizing other countries, Russia, you know, that's doing what they're supposed to do for their, uh, for their countries. And yet you're doing it to us. And then you want to brainwash me to hit them for what? You're not treating me right. You're not doing nothing for me and my family. You are pressing me. So in the center. Yeah, and it's and it's definitely not a color thing. We see it going yeah, on anywhere. everywhere. Like it's a class thing. And it's a class thing that has lasted for millennia for the entire history of the and, 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 there has been and the worst thing, if you don't agree with them, then you, you know you're a target. I'm like, come on. You talk about democracy. I don't have to agree with what you're saying. All I have to do is respect, we could respect each other, but I don't have to agree, you know, uh, uh, with you and, and your policy. If it doesn't make any sense for certain community, it doesn't work. It might work for this community, but it's not working for all. Government is supposed to work for all. And if you're going to put regulation on me as a small business, you need to put those same regulations in the big businesses too. But oftentimes that does not happen because why? They're in their pockets. Yep. Everyone has their special interests, you know, and again, nobody is free from that judgment, you know, Democrats and Republicans alike. And, you know, even more and more now it's, you know, because of this reason that I'm getting so many um, interesting conversations from people saying that, you know, Brandon, do you think it's a, you know, time for another party? Like, do we really need to have a third party to kind of balance this out and be an equilibrium between the two parties that really haven't done much to help any of us? Like, should we have a workers party? I think that's something that we really need to think about. And, you know, something that really is a legitimate question in 2020. Listen, not only I think we need a third party, we need a fourth party. This is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, why, why do we um, criticize um, China um, and um, um, North Korea, right? We say that, what, they are dictators, right? They're dictating stuff, right? Well, we know North Korea is like hell on earth. You know, he just kills yeah, every one of his What is they doing to us now? Are they killing us <laughs> right now? 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I see where you're going. Okay, you you're saying like, you know, why the fuck do we care? You know, why do we? Why the fuck do we care about China and North Korea? You know, unless they're fucking trying to, you know, it's kill so- us off. You know, I think China is very shifty though, and we have to be on the defensive because they are doing a lot of, you know, hacking and they're going into space and doing these things that are trying to, like, you know, change the ball game and where we stand as a country. So I definitely think that we shouldn't keep eyes off China, but definitely I think. You know, thinking about America and thinking about all of the issues we have going on here first is a very important issue because we're falling apart under the seams. You know, we're very much like the Roman Empire, you know, as it was starting to end. It seems like we're coming very close to that area. And if we keep this racial politics going on and all of these crazy things that are going on and and the division, right, we're going to just seep into this never ending scale of like empiral. You want, you want me to show you something about China? China was hacking into yep. Google to a lot of places, right? A lot of people criticize Donald Trump with the trade war with China, right? Do you know that trade war mm-hmm. is something that the Democrats always wanted to do, but they never had the guts to do it? During the Barack years in office, there were report that China hacking to Google and China was stealing the Americans intelligence. When he went to the White House, all the CEOs told um, the White House they do not want them to respond because they want to protect their interests. They were more concerned about their interests versus stopping China from hacking and stealing information. Furthermore, right, when you open a business in China, you know what the Chinese um, government do? Whatever you're working in or whatever businesses that you're doing in China, you have to share your resources with that government. That's against the international law. That law has been broken time after time after time, and they let it go. Because why? The interest is more important than human lives. That's why I cannot really be critical of, you know, of them because you allowing them to do it because you want your pocket to get fat. It's not fat enough. Yeah, I definitely would say that they, the Chinese have been very unique in the way that they um, have gone about their entrance into the WTO and how they look at their policies in general, in, excuse me, yeah, in general. Yeah. Like when China does something, you know, they do it very masterfully, you know, and they do it very critically because they're thinking about they want to do just as much to avoid being completely removed or having a complete all out war against the country. They do just enough. So, I mean, where there are some practices that are definitely frowned upon and that would definitely be, I wouldn't say illegal international law, but they they definitely are against their agreements that we have with other uh, global trading partners and the WTO. And that is definitely a, a, a pause for concern. You know, we, we do not have reciprocal trade with China. You know, things have gotten a little bit better under the new China um, agreement that we've made, but it's certainly something that's not the best. And it's actually something that's very posed against because now we've written that special clause. And just to give you an idea, when China made their recent agreement with um, President Trump, 
um, they had like a contract writer in their in, in their agreement and it basically said, you know, if, you know, there's a global pandemic, then, you know, then we don't have to actually abide by a lot of the policies that we looked at here. We don't have to pay or change the, the you know, the, the certain trade policies. So don't you find that very convenient of the timing, right? Because they signed this deal in like December. So we know that, you know, so we know that China, <laughs> you know, and when China says, we didn't know about coronavirus, what do you mean? What? That's preposterous. Why would you think, oh, no, it's not going to, you know, affect anyone like that? It's not transferable to people. It's just in the past. You know, they knew this already. People were dying already, and they had this, uh, and they had this covered up, you know, and they uniquely placed that trade deal because they would have never agreed to that trade deal uh, any other. They would have never done so. That was the only reason why. So they can look like they're doing something and get some a political segue in the very beginning and just completely, you know, nicks off of that. And that just shows you how sneaky and very conniving that the Chinese government is, right? They're, they're smart. They're smart as fuck. I'm not, I'm not going to deny that. They're, they are very smart at what they do. You know, it's CCP, the CCP and President Xi is, you know, he's a strong arm kind of person, you know, but he is he knows how to manipulate a situation, you know, and kind of force someone yes, under his hand. He had to do that to become the president of China, and he continues to do that on the foreign stage, you know, and it's you, you just can't sleep on China. You yes, just can't. You see, the way I look at China right now. I give China 10 years, they're gonna become the most superpower country. Look at China have all the factories that was closed here, they're in China. China is basically feeding everywhere else. I don't know if you hear about the new program that they have in Africa where they build that beautiful big stadium and they open a contract. If Africa cannot pay them back. Yeah, they build up some roads and, and bridges and they've put some Confucius schools out there and wow. they made some high-speed rail trains to go to Nairobi wow. and back. Well, America comes in bombs blazing, right? China comes in and they give you roads and schools. They give you <laughs> so, what country is going to turn down solution? They're not being threatened. China is not threatened. Then China's coming, right. hey, listen, we want to do business with you guys. We want to be a partner. We don't, you know, the yeah. U.S. doesn't do that. Think about it. Think about yeah, the U.S. says that we want to control, uh, you know, we want to control everything and we want to, you know, also be nosy into what you do personally and, and fight for social justice and fight for, you know, freedoms and things that we have in the United States. And we want to impose those views on your view. And look, I love every every value and every cultural aspect of, you know, our, our society here in America. And I love the freedoms that we are afforded in, in America. Um, I'm definitely not saying anything against that at all. But what I am saying is, is that every country is on their own. They're their sovereign states. And if they choose to do something, then it's up to us to be able to say that, hey, 
we encourage you to do this because, and we can show you an, an, an example that this specifically yields this kind of result. But it's not up to us as a country, one sovereign nation to go into another sovereign nation and basically dictate what they should and should not do. And China understood that. And they sat back for years and they studied America intensely. They know America backwards and forwards. They said, what is America doing that, you know, what is America doing that we can do better, right? And that, and that simply comes down to we can provide money just as much as America can to people, but we can do one better and not get involved in their personal affairs and simply give them the things that they're looking for, infrastructure projects. And at the same time, we can still get very similar, uh, the same kind of deals and resources and things that we need that America uh, looks towards and gets without making the country feel some type of way about us. And that's genius. Here's the other thing. America is number one because of fear, not because people loved us. And a lot of people, you know, doesn't seem to understand that. Think about all the country that, you know, has been in businesses with the U.S. for the past 30, 40 years. Let's take Haiti, for example, a small little island, right? If the U.S. really wanted to help the Haitian people, don't you think Haiti would have been one perfect example for other countries to be like, hey, we embedded with the U.S. Look what they did with us. Look what they did for us. They didn't do that. And every other country is, you know, rob the poor to give to the rich. It's not Robin Hood because Robin Hood was robbing the rich to give to the poor. They're doing the opposite. They're robbing the poor to give to the rich. So now we view China as a bigger threat because of technology. And now they expanding to other countries. And those other countries are receiving them. And they're saying that they will much rather do businesses with China than the U.S. That's a problem. For a country that we view as a threat, that, that, that's something that's supposed to be very concerning for this country. But for whatever reason, nobody wants to talk about that. So, Yeah, I'm, um, a lot of people don't want to talk about things because a lot of people have very strong investments mm-hmm. in China. Um, and we, you know, uh, I'll make an attempt to just be as neutral as possible and just say that, you know, there are people on both sides because that's true, you know, and there there are people on both sides that have connections to China and they have hush money from China either through their investment portfolio or a business venture or anything that they're doing, you know, that involves China more critically. Um, And they utilize that relationship that they have. And this is another very ingenious um, step by the way of China, because China is also realizing that, hey, there's no need for us to actually go out and, and bomb any particular country. I mean, we can take over a country in these free market systems by simply giving in and like buying in all of your businesses and and, and, and 
uh, corrupting your politicians or, you know, with money or extra things, you know, gifts, whatever it is, you know, there's no need for you to go in with a gun. You just have to go in with some cash and a plan, you know, and you, and, and over time you can let that happen. And, and China is very patient. And that's another thing that we don't have so much of. And I wish we had more of here in, in, in America. Everything is what's going to suit me now, right? In America, we have this now culture, right? Nobody actually wants to just wait and let something like, you know, just kind of soften a little bit, you know, age a little bit. You know, nobody wants wants to see a and you know, an incremental change, right? People just want something right now. What's my stock portfolio right now? What are my year end gains or profit share, right? For my investments. I, I could care less, you know, what that is gonna mean 20 years later. I just care about right now when I need to show the performance indicators to right. my investors, you know, and KPIs and et cetera. That's all I care about right now. And that is going to be the detriment of us. And if we don't wake up and see that, you know, every country is going to simply come in and milk the right. crap out of us. Like we already have been. And, you know, and this is something that I agree with um, President Trump on. And he really stepped in and said, look, we're getting screwed over. You know, you're milking us for everything that we have. We're paying the defense for Europe, for Asia, for all of these places in Africa and Caribbean, Latin America. We're doing so much security efforts. We're putting so much out into these contracts. We're putting so much out into these negotiations that never go anywhere. And we're getting robbed. Get and people are complicit in that. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, how much can you get, do you hate your country to allow yourself to continuously have it taken advantage of? Like, I just don't, I, I will never understand that, you know, and people think that they're, they're, they're making compromises. Compromise means that there are some things where you're like, oh, well, you know, I really didn't like, you know, that I couldn't get this, but at the ending of the day, I'm still on an upward trajectory. You know, I'm still making progress, right? But in the deals that we've had in these previous years, they've constantly been deals that have completely pandered to the other side in a silly attempt to make the, you know, to, to, to think that they would change, right? Even this entire go into China policy, right? And move all the factories to China policy, right? That was built on, and again, this is somewhere where Republicans really went wrong. Um, Democrats did this as well, but I'm definitely going to call out Republicans on this one. And they basically said, um, you know, yeah, let's let's go for it. Let's do it. You know, let's just jump into China. Let's just give all of our jobs over there because we're going to be able to provide cheap goods for people and still make a pretty decent profit share at the end of the year, you know, and they were like, let's go and just do this. It, there won't be any repercussions. Right. And then, you know, fast forward to 2020 and Americans don't have jobs. You know, we now have coronavirus and everything else. When we notice everything has been made is made in China. We have complete dependency on China's and production. And have our sovereignty anymore. In a and we dine on top of it. Well, that's very you important know, as well. So 
And meanwhile, China is getting more and more in Africa and doing much better at getting the deals that getting the deals through with the, the countries that we have worked on for well, decades. And, and it's sad. You said something that was important about China. You say that China have respect for the other countries. You know, they don't come as a bully. You know, they come, you know, to try to give solution why they're still looking for their own interests. So they're not really bullying people because, there's, you know, there's a documentary that, you know, um, uh, um, that's on YouTube. Um, where those other leaders in this other country actually say, they said it with their own mouth, they would rather do businesses with China. China give them a better deal. So I don't know, you know, if we look around, we already know there's no jobs here, right? All Yep, uh, 40 million jobs lost, you know, and then now we've gotten a whole 2 million jobs. But let me back. ask you a question. Right? You know. They say that, oh, <laughs> we ship jobs to China, we close down jobs, but we open and train people in new industry. Does that make any sense? How many people did you have to fire or lay it off? And then how much people did you hire in those new so-called industries? Well, and that's the critical question there, Greg, because a lot of people, like you said, and I agree, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, those people can just learn new skills. You know, they'll be utilized in other areas of the economy. But here's the thing with automation, people don't realize the whole point of automation is to make things more efficient. Right? The whole point is to rely less and less and less on human physical interaction so if how is someone supposed to learn a new skill or trade if the exact ideology and and, and, and system of automation is to cut jobs to cut the necessity for manual labor <laughs> so i don't know how they're going to get another job that that's the most backwards thing i have ever heard in my life you're literally telling me that like you really are sitting there and having me believe that I am going to have more jobs or a, a new industry will will envelop for me. No, the, the industry may envelop for more Asian people who are coming here as immigrants and they are really good at math and science, but it's not doing well for people who may not be. And that's a vast majority of Americans, white, black but this why, you know, it's not like we're not seeing the signs. You know, the sign is there. If you look at all the um, uh, markets, uh, Home Depot, most of these people are being replaced by machine. You just go and cash out yourself. So it's not like. Well, yeah. Think, think about the banking industry. I mean, like, remember that, you know, you used to have a human teller, right? Now, virtually no one goes to the teller. You still have a few old people from the older generation that will only talk with a teller. But those are those people are eventually going to die. And then there's just going to be a generation of people who would simply rely on doing online banking. There's no people in that job. And what can you say, you know, what job was generated? There was maybe one or two jobs generated to add a couple of more IT people to handle the machinery that will now uh, process and do the job. So of let me ask a question now, right? Yeah. 
being that we discussed all, all this, what would be a solution in your opinion? The solution is that we're we are going to have to make common sense policy and we're going to have to rescind some of what made us so wonderful to everyone else in the world. Um, and that is we have to understand that a little bit of protectionism can help. You know, it's not a bad thing to want to protect American jobs. You know, every other country is thinking about it. Every other country is thinking about how they're going to protect their citizens' jobs. You know, just because we're a free market society and we like to open things up to people does not mean that we need to offshore everything to other countries. If we want to make it free for people, by all means, if that's our if that's our MO to be as open as possible and allow people to come into America and make businesses and thrive in those businesses, then we have an obligation to do that if that's what we want to go with. But we do not have an obligation to have everything offshored to China or Vietnam or Mexico or anywhere else. You know, yes. In order to make certain trade deals for things that we need, we do need to uh, negotiate with people. But we have to negotiate in a way um, that is reciprocal. And we need to negotiate in a way that is going to have a win-win. You know, it's it's not going to be perfect, but it at least it will be better than that. And, and especially for as it relates to Silicon Valley, you know, we, we automation is coming. And we really need to get ahead of automation and we really need to be able to make common sense restriction for that particular sector. You know, and I understand I don't like government regulation any more than anyone else does, but there are certain scenarios where government regulation makes sense. And in this particular case, in automation, we're essentially saying that human jobs are going to become obsolete. And if they're becoming obsolete, then those people will not have a way to provide for themselves and have a life for themselves. And it, we will have a higher rate of unemployment. Then you're setting yourself up for failure. This is a special circumstance where it has to be curtailed. It has to be regulated to some degree. And we have to be able to make a space where automation can thrive where we need it to. And at the same time, well, a place where American jobs can thrive where we need. I think um, I think all these things is happening and they're allowing it to happen. The dollar is you losing its value. It's not what it wants worth anymore. Think about it. Because now, sooner or later, everybody's going to be working for Amazon. Yeah, it's going to be Amazon and Silicon Valley. You understand? It's a matter of time. <laughs> you, you understand? It's just a matter of time for this to happen. Because we, you could see it clearly what's going on here. Now, during this pandemic, you have a lot of big you know, companies like JCPenney's, all these things, they're closing down. All these places are closing down. Now, once Best Buy is, you know, is shut down, trust me, that's it. 
There's nothing, there's nothing else. And we're going to have millions of Americans figuring out what they're going to be doing with their lives. And we're going to have a choked up Congress sitting back and saying, hey, well, I don't know what we're going to do in this scenario, you know, it's tough luck, you know, and more of those people like those people who are tough luck that we talked about in the beginning of this podcast, you know, who are still sitting there with no stimulus checks or any unemployment and forced to leave their job. Those same people are going to be. Yes, and there's a lot of riots, right? Well, no, I guess so. So I guess we'll have well, a lot well, of those coming. They better get ready for it. <laughs> they better get ready for it. You know, and I just plug in there that we in no way condone you to go no, out and riot. No, no. We're not inciting you to go out and do a violence, uh, or we're not inciting you to go into a riot. And we personally no, think that riot is not- wrong. But it's definitely putting the government on track to say that, you know, if we do not curtail the situation and we do not ensure that people have the opportunity to get the life that they're looking for, you know, there's going to be a lot of uprising that it will not be good. If you go back to history, right, there was a lot of rioting, a lot of killing, a lot of robberies, a lot of theft. It was because a lack of jobs. Now, once people started to get on that mindset, I need to feed my family, they're going to do whatever they need to do to get something to feed their family. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about when I say riot. I don't support it. I don't agree with it. But the way we're going, I do see it down the line. And I, I could picture it right now happening in the back of my mind. Once people start to go hungry, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and I, I, I it, it's unfortunate we kind of had to end on a, a sour note, but uh, I will just say that, you know, because we have gone to the hour of our podcast, and uh, but definitely it's going to be a sad place if we don't change, fundamentally change the way that we do business as a country. And I think if we are allowed to do that, um, you know, we can avoid this very cataclysmic issue, right? Um, but you know, thank you all for watching the podcast. This is our first podcast, and uh, I think we talked about some really interesting topics, and uh, we certainly gave you a lot of food for thought to think about. Um, and we would love to hear from you if you liked what you heard in the podcast reach out to us and, you know, tell us what you like, tell us what you didn't like, and uh, we'll have some good debate. (laughs) Uh, But I think we'll leave it there. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in, guys.